You're listening to Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. I am your host, Eric Konovalov, and I believe that we can achieve everything we want if we take our leadership, sales ability, and personal growth to a higher level. On this show, we share ideas on how to break through our invisible boundaries, start taking steps towards our dreams, and create the life we desire. I invite you to open your mind to new possibilities, new ideas, and to the truth that everything you want is possible for you. Thank you for being here and welcome to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. Could not be more excited about the guest I have today. Uh, Before I introduce my guest, though, if you have not been in the Facebook group, get over there, check out uh, and join, actually. Facebook group is Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Mastermind. We can collaborate in there. You can get some ideas, talk to me personally and directly. Um, another thing I want to give a big shout out to the sponsors of this show, and that's the Long Walk Home. It's a nonprofit organization here in Venice, Florida, focused strictly on saving veterans' lives. And that's that's a mission very dear to my heart. Um, so without further ado, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but I've been invited into Paul Martinelli's six-figure mentorship program. And one of the things I'm doing is kind of meeting other mentors. My guest today just happens to be Wesley Morris, who's also a mentor in Paul Martinelli's um, mentorship program. His lane is speaking. So he's going to be teaching people how to speak. So last week I get on a call with, no, a couple of weeks ago, I get on a call with Wesley and I'm like, yeah, man. So tell me about yourself. Just thinking, you know, it's another guy who, you know, started a business, became a motivational speaker. That could not be further from the truth. We went so deep. Wesley was born in a household to, that was full of drugs and it was a home of prostitution. So, I mean, I know we're, we can't hand, you know, we, we don't have any control over the hand that we're dealt, but it's how we play that hand that's important. And up until, gosh, late 20s, Wesley's hand was just complete shit. And the way he played it was, I mean, how do you play a hand when, when you're born into a situation like that in Philadelphia where everything around you is drugs, prostitutions, arrest, everybody you know is going to jail? At 22, he lost his license. But then my man started multiple businesses and succeeded while he was riding his bike. <laughs> Wesley, I can't wait to hear this story, man. Welcome to Lead. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, it's an honor to be on the show. Uh, it's an honor to get to know you. You know, one of the things that I'm really, really good at that the streets have really increase my awareness is being able to read people. And Eric, I can tell <clears throat> without a doubt in my mind that, you know, you're a good egg, right? I, and I see you on social media. I've been in your presence on multiple occasions uh, via virtually. And I could just tell, you know, you are the man that you say you are. And that's what we strive to be. So thank you so much for having you on the show. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, it was, um, you know, just to kind of touch on what you were saying, you know, I I grew up, uh, we grew up poor, actually, I was supposed to be a farm boy. Um, I I, I grew up in a 
I was born into a farming community in the rural areas of Pennsylvania. And it's an area where, you know, your work ethic is more important than your actual intelligence, meaning, you know, how much you can get done around the farm is more important than what you bring home on your report card because survival is at the forefront of your mind. So I still, to this day, hold one of the leadership values that I practice in all my affairs, which is, you know, feed your animals first. And, you know, people aren't animals, but um, on the farm, you know, you don't eat until your chores are done, until your animals are fed. And as a leader, I don't get paid. I don't eat until my people are taken care of first. They come first. Leaders eat last. So that's the environment that I kind of grew up in. Um, and then my whole life really changed uh, when I was seven years old and 12 years old. And I was just telling my wife this story last night. When I was seven years old, um, the, the, the police raided our apartment. Um, they, they raided our apartment. And, and if if you've ever experienced or watched a TV show where somewhat the, the police raid the house, they flip everything upside down. Um, you know, my parents were selling cocaine and uh, I was just mad because, because my toys were everywhere. <laughs> they just took my toys and they Imagine. flipped. So my Legos and my Lincoln logs were everywhere. How'd you get to an apartment from a farm? So uh, my, at nine months old, my mom, walked away from my, my biological father. Um, we were living in a, in a one room cabin. Uh, apparently we, we, we shot deer and, and, and raised vegetables in order to survive. We were dirt poor. And, um, you know, one day my mom just had enough and she took me and my sister and she brought us to the, to, uh, the Lehigh Valley. It, it's outside of Philadelphia. Um, You know, this was 1986. She was 23 years old. She was brokenhearted. She was uh, scared and, and didn't have any job skills, any life skills. She really didn't know what she was doing, but she had a, a strong will to survive. And how we got that apartment was my mom opened up her own massage therapy business in 1989, and we lived in the apartment above. Um, she opened up her own massage place with the best intentions of doing the right things. Um, you know, my mom is probably one of the hardest working women that I've ever met in my entire life. But even with the best intentions and a good work ethic, sometimes that negative voice can, can talk to you in your own voice and, and it can make you do things that you wouldn't necessarily do. And when I was 12 years old, I came home from wrestling practice I thought that I had a normal life. I thought that I had all the materialistic things that I could ever want, but <clears throat> I'm 12 years old and I come home from wrestling practice and I'm standing on the sidewalk and the state police detectives have my whole house surrounded. I'm 12 years old. I'm confused. I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. And I watched my mom get carried out in handcuffs at 12 years old. And she was running, she was being arrested for running a prostitution enterprise. Um, my mom was a madam. And that night I cried myself to sleep. And the next day I went to school 
and all the kids made fun of me. It was a very small town. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to process my emotions. I didn't know how to sort through the confusion and contradiction that had become my life. I didn't know how to deal with the reality of my life. I just simply wanted to run. And, um, you know, I did, you know, at 12 years old, you're almost at that age where you're exposed to drugs and alcohol. And that's exactly what I did. I, I started hanging out with the bad kids and I got my first DUI when I was 15 years old. I didn't even have a license. I stole a car and I was drinking and I got my first DUI. By the time I was uh, 19 years old, I had lost my license for 22 years. Oh, so was it wasn't at 22 years old. It was at 19. You lost it for 22 years. So I made a mistake. Years. Yeah. Holy shit. And I just, I, 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 I didn't care. I didn't care about life. I didn't care about your life or mine. I was just an angry, um, scared little kid that just didn't understand why this had to happen to him. When I was 15 years old, um, I, I, <clears throat> I walked in into the bathroom with my, my sister was dead on the floor. She had o- overdosed from a heroin addiction. Um, yeah, I was, I was 15 years old, you know? So How I old experienced was your sister? she was 19. My, she was 19. You know, she, she was dead. She was dead on the floor. She was blue in the face. She was unresponsive. She had a needle sticking out of her arm and I gave her CPR and I got 911 there and they were able to resuscitate her. But when the paramedics came they said oh no not her again it was the sixth time that she had overdosed that week so i i I, just to give you an idea of the environment that i grew up in no father figure no real guidance no one really believing in me you know lost my license for 22 years mom's a prostitute nobody's really saying hey wes you're really going to achieve a lot of things in your life nobody's there to do that i had develop limiting beliefs about myself way before I even know, knew who I was. So my, my, my idea of escaping my reality was to move. I'm a runner. If I don't like the way I feel, I'm out. See ya. So my best idea was to move to Philadelphia and long story short, I became a homeless heroin addict in North Philadelphia selling bottles of water in the middle of the street for a dollar a piece so I could get what I needed to get. I was 50 pounds less than I am right now. I was malnourished. I was dehydrated. I was a junkie. How old were you? I was 24, 25 years old. Man. And what was your mom at that time? Did you have any relationship with her? I did, but see, I wasn't really telling anyone. See, I had moved away from home. And I, I, I would keep up a, a good facade on the outside, but, you know, listen, and it, it, this is so important because we all have problems, Eric. We all have problems. It's one thing to have a problem in your life, whether it be big or small, but it's another thing to have the shame and guilt of not being able to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. So if everyone has problems... And there is a four-letter password to success, and it's H-E-L-P. And we allow our pride and ego 
to stop us from getting the help with whatever the problem may be. So that's where I was at. I, I felt so much shame and guilt as a result of what my life had become that I wasn't able to tell anybody. And, and, and in hindsight, when I was, I, I remember vividly standing in the middle of the street selling bottles of water like this so I could get, hopefully I could sell nine and I could get what I needed to get for, for that hour or whatever the case may be. And in that moment, I, could real, I realized how every decision throughout my entire life led me to that point right there. A decision not to deal with my feelings, a decision to allow other people's opinions of me to dictate my, my decisions, uh, all my decisions throughout my entire life led me to being a homeless heroin addict in the middle of the street. Yeah. I truly believe that our lives are a direct result of the people that we spend the most time with, the books that we read and the decisions that we make. Some total of all that. And um, all of those really know, are the decisions you make. I mean, think about it. You decide which people you're going to spend time with. You decide which books you're going to read or not read. Correct. Everything's about a decision. Yeah. And, and, and power really is that space in between stimulus and response. It's my man, Victor Frankel, man. You're giving me chills. <laughs> giving that me is, chills. That is, that is where power lies. I didn't know that. It, for, for years, it was thought action, thought action, thought action. There was no, there was no, uh, there was no uh, space in between those two things. Victor Frankl. Yeah. Amazing. Auschwitz. So, so uh, go ahead. Nah, man, that's a crazy story. Go ahead. So I, I'm just, before you go on, did, did you have any relationship with your dad? Like, did he ever try to reach out to you as a little kid or did he stay on a farm? You know, he, he my father stayed up in, <laughs> my, my father stayed up in Bloomsburg and, you know, I, I would love to play the victim role. I would love to say it's, it's someone's fault as to why I ended up that way. Um, and that very well may be true. It's just that nobody cares. Right. Right. Nobody cares. Oh, your mom was arrested for that. Your dad wasn't there. Nobody cares. Yeah. <laughs> so my dad, um, you know, God bless him. He is the epitome of a mountain man. My dad will catch a fish with his bare hands and rip a deer's throat. Right. <laughs> it, lace it up, you know. But in terms of dealing with his emotions and things of that nature, not so much. But self-sufficient, I mean, he's the best, you know. So uh, it sounds like, do you know you know him now? I do. Yeah, I know who my father is. Yeah, definitely. It's just that we don't have that relationship. You don't. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So to, 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 give you a, to give yeah. you a good depiction of my of my dad, I just got married and <laughs> I just got married in September. And uh, it was this beautiful wedding. It was at a nice, you know, three-star restaurant. And my dad showed up and he was wearing a wolf t-shirt. <laughs> there was a wolf on the t-shirt? There was a wolf on the t-shirt, you know? like Yeah. That's my dad. That's the epitome <laughs> of like, I don't care what you say or think. No, I'm me. No. <laughs> I love it. Anyway. So, yeah. So there was my dad. Um, you know, 
I, I can remember um, vividly <clears throat> moving back home. I had failed as a, as a drug user. I, I um, you know, I, I moved back into, into my house at 26 years old, 27 years old. And I'm, I'm living in the same room that I'm, that I'm, I grew up in. And, um, you know, my, my life is going nowhere even quicker and quicker and quicker. Uh, I, it's obvious that I have a problem, but I, my mom, you know, she doesn't really want to believe it. And one day I'll never forget my mom walked into my room and I was about to inject heroin into my veins. And, uh, the look on her face and the look of disappointment was more than I could handle. And I dropped to my knees and I prayed like I've never prayed before in my life. And it was the most humble prayer. And it was, please, God, help me. Man. So this is, at this point, this is about 15 years since your mom's arrest. You were 12, now you're 27. Yeah, exactly. Where, where was your mom? Like, at what point in her life, is, what was she doing with her life? So that's an amazing story. My mom got arrested in 1997. My mom got arrested in 1997. She, uh, she was completely blackballed by society, by the community. Um, you know, it was a big, uh, it was a big write up in the local newspaper and, and we, you know, it's a small town. Yeah. She probably knew everybody's husband that was cheating. (laughs) (laughs) I often say, listen, your mom was doing it for free. At least my mom was getting paid. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) Wait, so she was providing the services or she had the girls who were providing the services or both? Uh, both. Oh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my mom was completely embarrassed and blackballed. And, you know, she made a decision that she was going to do the right thing, that she was going to change her ways, that she was going to redeem herself and she was going to show her kids that it's possible to come back from something so devastating and to succeed. So she started getting involved with the right people. She stayed underneath the same name, underneath the same business in the same town. And she fought. I would come home from school and I would go check on my mom and she'd be on her hands and knees and she'd be wiping up the floors and she'd look up at, at me with tears in her eyes. And she'd say, I say, mom, what's the matter? And she'd just say, Wes, I'm praying. Three years after that arrest, the year 2000, I come home from school. I check on my mom. And she says, hold on. I want you to meet somebody. And I'm expecting Joe Blow, the mailman, to come walking down the hallway. And I look to my left, and there's Donovan McNabb, the head quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles, walking down the hallway. My mom went on to be the head massage therapist for the Philadelphia Eagles from 2000 to 2012, Andy Reid, Brian Westbrook, uh, David Akers, any big name within that 12 year period, she put her hands on. Man, that's pretty cool. Because she stayed in the same place and she fought to do the right thing. And when you make a decision that you're going to do whatever it takes, man, doors start opening up. The reason why people don't have the lives that they want and deserve is because they haven't made a decision to burn the boats. 
you want to take the island, you got to burn the boats. There's no plan B because it diverts from plan A. And that's what she did, man. Best comeback story I've ever seen in my entire life. There's going to be a movie. I promise you. Dude, that's <laughs> awesome, man. That is so great. So I just saw a video of you getting baptized a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was even last weekend on Facebook. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, that yeah. woman that was there, was that your mom? That was my mom. Man, she looked like she's been a church lady <laughs> like her whole life. I know. <laughs> yes, I look like a regular businessman, but uh, you are. You hey, never seen. Look, okay, cool. So, <laughs> license suspended. You're back home. You get on your knees. You're praying, yes. asking God for help. This is this is the best part. God started showing up in my life. People started showing up in my life. I got involved in a 12-step program. Um, they loved me back to life, and they they taught me how to live a life without the use of drugs and alcohol. I became an iron worker welder. I made 80 grand a year. I had the girlfriend, the, you know, I was driving without a license. I had a two-bedroom apartment, and, you know, I was making $1,400 a week. So at 27, 28 years old, it's like you hit the lotto, right? I used to be selling bottles of water. Especially where you came from, yeah. Exactly. Now I'm making 80 grand a year. This is this is this is it, right? This is the American dream. So I have all these things, but I want to put a nine millimeter in my brain. Why? Because I realized that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. No, but what were the thoughts going through your mind back then that said, hey, you should just blow your brains out? Why do I have all these things that I thought that I wanted, but I'm still not happy? I'm angry inside. I don't like myself, right? And I realized that I, I didn't know it then, but I know it now. You could, I couldn't fix a spiritual void with a physical thing. It'll never happen. And that's where I was so baffled. I was so confused. I have everything that I thought was supposed to make me whatever I thought was, it was supposed to make me. And it's not, you know, I'm working 60 hours a week. I'm constantly just chasing the next thing. And I was like, man, I got this wrong. And I realized that success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure, man. So, so, so I completely changed the trajectory of my life. I walked away from the job, told the girl she's got to go. And and basically sold my car after driving without a license for nine and a half years. I started riding a bicycle. I moved into a recovery house with seven other guys. Last week, I was making $1,400 a week. This week, I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. And this guy bought me a bicycle for $100. Why did you another friend Because it was 60 hours a week, and I was absolutely miserable. Okay. And I realized that life is way too short to go through unhappy. Was that the runner in you? You know, possibly, but in hindsight, I'm glad that I did. I'm, I mean, I'm very glad that I did. Yeah. Um, I, I truly believe that we all have a purpose. And when I wasn't living in my purpose, I was just, it was a struggle to get up. I had no energy, no drive, no passion. 
Yeah, but back then you didn't know that. There's a ton no, of work no that's sort of going to work. So here's you. I mean, right now you've been in the personal growth space for a little while, and you've heard of that uh, thermometer versus thermostat, right? Yeah. So I'm wondering, was it that your thermostat was still set on that, you know, worthless drug user? Nobody gives a shit about me. And as soon as that's where your subconscious kind of thermostat is set. And as soon as you get out of that and you start making 80 grand, you see a different type of life. Boop, your subconscious brings you right back down. Say, no, no, that, you know, you don't even know why. That's very feasible. That is for it in this specific scenario, the people that I was working with, I couldn't stand these guys because they were all miserable. And all they would do was backbite on each other all day long. And I just, I don't know, man, I, I couldn't stand. But yes, self-sabotage and, and coming back to where your mindset is. Moving back into the house with 12 guys, like no money. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It could be. It's interesting how that works. I've never taken a look in that, that, at that. Sorry, that's my coach coming out. Just <laughs> No, it's, it's a good, great question. Um, you know, you remind but... me of that, that quote that Bane says, you know, remember when he was fighting Batman? Have you seen, have you seen that Batman? Um, I don't know which one it is with Bane. Bane was so badass. Not. No, nah, dude. So he comes out and he's like, you merely adopted the dark. I was born in it. And he just, I'm like, man, this guy, Wes, Wesley, you were born in it, man. And you freaking cried out. Yeah. And that's why the next part of the story is so amazing because when you, when you become comfortable in your, in your terrible situation, anything outside of that is extremely difficult right it's it's hard it's um and the hardest part is believing that you're worthy that you're enough how do you get that belief because that's everybody i mean that to an extent that's everybody besides people who really truly work on themselves i'd say over 90 percent of people really don't believe in themselves you know, how do you build a belief, right? Yeah. yeah how did you build a belief? I just put my head down and kept my freaking feet moving. Even when I didn't believe, even when I didn't know what to do. I took that same business, that, that massage business, right after uh, I left that position as a welder. Um I was walking these dogs for $10 a day. I was riding a bicycle and everything in my mind was telling me, yo, everyone's laughing at you, bro. You're 30 years old. You're riding a bicycle. You have nothing to show. They're laughing at you, bro. To this day, I don't know who they are. Yep. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but when I find them, I'm going to mess them up. And I get this message, this message that says, go help your mom, go help your mom. You're I'm not talking Iowa. about a text message. No, I'm talking about divine intervention, the infinite mind of God impressing upon my conscious mind this idea that I'm supposed to go help my mom. And I just told you this incredible redemption story that she has. So when God told me to go help my mom, 
yeah, I'll ride a bike 30 miles to go take my family business. I took my family business from being a Google search away from knowing it was running a prostitution ring in 1997 to growing at a thousand percent in four years. We have NFL clients. We I'm leaving right after this podcast to go to Gainesville, Florida, to go work on uh, an Olympic class track and field star. Her name's Talitha Diggs. She's one of my greatest friends. We have 10 therapists. We have multiple rooms. We're maxed out. It's a half a million dollar business. That's so awesome. And I did it. I did it while riding a bicycle because my why was greater than my how. And when your why is greater than your how, it doesn't matter what stands in your way. You're going to get through it. Yeah, the how doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> no, not at all. So, all right. So talk to me about some some kind of steps you took, man. How did you, what did you do to grow your business? What, first of all, what was your why? My why was that 12-year-old little boy that needed to heal. My why was that I had never really compartmentalized. I had never really made peace with what had happened. I had run from everything my entire life. And it was finally at 30 years old, it was time to face my, that 12 year old little boy that just needed to heal. And I never wanted anyone to ever talk badly about my family business ever again. Mm. So what did you do? What steps did you take? Like when you got there, what was the business (laughs) doing? And then, when I got there, my mom was a one-man band. She was 56 years old. She was doing the massages, the scheduling. My mom had a paper book. It was, it was 2017. Um, you know, she, um, God bless her soul. She was doing the laundry, the massages, the appetite, everything. She was a one-man band. And I quickly realized with no entrepreneurial experience whatsoever that if you took her out of the equation, there was no business. She's the business. There's a book called The E-Myth. Yeah. It's Why Small Businesses Fail. It's a great book, right? Yep. Just because you're great at being an electrician doesn't mean that you're great at running a, an electrician's business. And, you know, I realized she was the business. So the first thing I did was I was like, okay, we have to get, we have to rebrand. We have to get away from this name. We, it doesn't matter what you did. It takes 20 years to build a good reputation. It takes five minutes to, to ruin it, right? So we need to get away from that name. We got to rebrand. Um, I rebranded. And, you know, I, my mom told me in the beginning, just show up, Wes. Just show, even if you don't know what you're doing, just show up. And she was so right because success is 50% just showing up. It's just showing up. That's for you. you could be 50% of people just by showing up. 40% is having a good attitude. So 90% of success is just showing up and having a good attitude. Now that last 10%, you're going to have to fight for. And that's what I did, man. I fought. I woke up every day. I, the very first thing I did when I started waking up at five o'clock in the morning is I would listen to YouTube motivational videos I would listen to the John Maxwell's and the Les Browns and the Zig Ziglar's and the Jim Rohn's and the Tony Robbins's. 
I would, your, 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 your brain, your mind is operating at 10.5 wavelengths per second. The first 30 minutes that you're awake, that is when your mind is most susceptible to new information. So I would wake up at five o'clock in the morning. The very first thing I would do is say, thank you. I would go downstairs, pour my coffee, boom, YouTube motivational videos. And then I would write my goals down every single day, what I had to get done for the day, for the week, for the month, for the year. And I did that consistently for five years. And I just, I reprogrammed my mind to do whatever it takes. I'm talking about 12 hour days, six days a week for five years. How did you know to do that? I mean, here you are, but by this point, 2017, how, how long have you been clean at that point? Uh, 2017, I was clean seven years. Okay. So you've been, I mean, that's a, that's a good time, but you're still, you know, your life still hasn't, you're riding a bike. You're not too happy where you are. Yeah. What, I hadn't really evolved. You haven't very, you haven't really evolved, but you stopped using. So that was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. What, where was the, what clicked that said you got to listen to motivational videos? You know, I don't, I, I remember the very first one that I listened to. It was on the bus. I was on the bus. I was on YouTube. And something just told me to type in motivational videos. Uh, that same voice. <laughs> That's and your I, intuition, and, man. Yeah, my intuition. Listening to it. And, and, and I remember the way that I felt at the end of that bus ride. I felt like I could do it, like I could do it. Um, and I just, and then I started researching successful people and what they do. And I realized that they all wake up super early. They all exercise, they all journal, they all write their goals down. I just, I researched what I wanted to become. And then I started to become that. It wasn't rocket scientists. No. But I have people, man, that I, I swear to God, I got people that are like, dude, I really hate my job. I, um, I got to make a change. And I'm like, I got the right thing for you. I know the, the best thing. And there's this Jim Rohn video. It's, I think it's called uh, Your Best Life Ever Weekend Seminar on YouTube. It's four hours long literally four hour long video. I'm like, watch this video, watch it in chunks, watch it an hour a day for four days. It'll change the way you look at things. It'll change the way you start thinking. You know how many people actually see that video? None of them. I haven't, I haven't yet had somebody come back and said, I watched the whole thing. No, nah, maybe a couple have, but they were already on that personal growth journey. Most people who are stuck, I go back to him a month later. Hey, did you ever watch that? No, nah, no, nah, I got busy. I don't. <laughs> <It> was like, <laughs> Well, that's because people usually they want the results, but they don't want to do the work. And what they don't realize is it's not the results. That's the payoff. It's the person that you become as a result of doing the work. I could, I, I'm free. Listen, uh, uh, a pickle doesn't go back to being a cucumber once it's a pickle. It can, <laughs> a, a butterfly can never go back to being a caterpillar. I am forever changed. Man, that's, that's, I can, that's deep. I can, I can never go back. 
sure, I can stumble, I can make mistakes, but my mindset is forever changed. Your beliefs are different. My beliefs are different. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty. It's not the business. It's not the money. It's the person that I became. I could do this again and again and again. I'm unstoppable. Yeah, man. Dude, so I've listened to that four-hour video I don't know how many times. I really, I, I got books with notes on Jim Rohn's kind of philosophy. And even now, um, I'll listen to like 10 minutes. I literally take my phone in the shower and I'll turn on a motivational video as I'm just showering, man. And uh, it's been since 2014 that I first heard it. And just last week or this week, I heard him say, and I've heard him say this probably 15, 20 times. I heard him say, if somebody was to hand you a million dollars, you better become a millionaire very quickly. And I never understood what the hell that meant Mm. until last week. I fucking got it. (laughs) I got it. I'm like, hold on. That's why people who win the lottery lose all their money very quickly. Most of the time, they're not a millionaire yet. The money doesn't make you a millionaire. The mindset makes you a millionaire. (laughs) Man, I got it. All right. Now, what do I need to do to become a millionaire up here? That's the question. (laughs) I tell people all the time, unless you learn how to manage it, making more will do nothing for you. (laughs) That, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. All right. So what did you do? So there are people right now, they're kind of struggling. They're starting their own business and they're hearing you like guy who went from the shithole you came from and yep. just grew a business, no driver's license, no excuse. I grew two of them actually, just, just for the record. I was the second one. I, I joined a network marketing company uh, year one of Saucon Valley Massage. And just because some guy told me that I wasn't going to do anything with it, I went to the top 3% and became uh, the rising star of that company. They sent me on. I was a top performer in a network marketing company. I grew at 80, 80, 80 associates. I made $100,000 and I bought this home with that business. So I was simultaneously growing two businesses in separate industries at the same time. I, it was insane. Was that ACN? No, it was Stream Energy, but uh, ACN just bought them. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I know. Yeah. I remember we talked about ACN a little bit. Hey, yeah. good for you, man. And then that's yeah. another thing. Like how many freaking people join these things and do nothing with it? Cause they just want the success. And then I'll tell you how it's a Ponzi scheme. It's BS. It's whatever. Yeah. It's a pyramid scheme. And then there's yeah. clearly people like you who make something of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, they want the results. They're not willing to do the work, right? I mean, self-development and, 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 and growth and, and acquiring the things that you want. Number one, you got to believe that you can. That's the very first step. And then number two, don't ask yourself what it is that you want. Going back to our conversation, ask yourself, who do I need to be to acquire it? That's the real question. What kind of person would I look like if I had these things and then take steps towards being that person? Yep. What do I wear? How do I act? What happens when somebody cuts me off in traffic? What am I doing? How do I greet people? How do like, yeah, you got to freaking be able to answer those questions. You got to know who you are creating to be. That's so, so freaking cool, man. And you use the word mindset. 
I'm actually I'm actually hosting my first mentorship call um, on Tuesday, yes. April fifth. And uh, by the time this is released, it'll be past the past the call. But um, my first thing, the the title of that that call, and you know, we all it's our own content. It's not like we're teaching Paul's content. Paul's just giving us the platform, but it's our content to teach. And I was wondering, like, the lane is business building was the first freaking thing that if anybody's building a business needs to do. And it's, we got to check the mindset. And then, so I started, I took the word mindset, the words mindset. And I, I started looking at them and I've realized that we are looking at that shit the wrong way. Cause people will tell you, have you ever heard somebody say, I just got to get in a different mindset or, Hey, you just need to change your mindset or get into a new mindset. We say that, but we don't realize that we're the ones who set the mindset. <laughs> That's the set part. You set your mind. And nobody does. We all look at, oh, you know, I, well, I can't be positive today. It's raining outside. I can't mm-hmm. be positive today. My neighbor died or my dad passed away. Or my mom's sick or whatever the tragedy is. And they'll, they'll say, okay, because of this, I can't feel good. And that's not the case. Like we can find gratitude. We can find joy. We can feel good, be positive in, with anything going on outside of us. So that's going to be my first lesson, man. The mindset of a business builder. I'm excited for your call, man. I am going to blow you up on, on multiple platforms. I appreciate I'm pumped, you, I'm pumped for yours too, because you're such an amazing speaker. You're going to be teaching people how to speak. I'm, I'm so excited for the opportunity. And just to go <clears throat> into what you said, I woke up this morning angry. Like, <laughs> just, uh, I would, you know, I, I struggle with anger. It's one of my character defects. But, you know, just being on this call, actually, <clears throat> excuse me, this, the second that I saw you and you gave a yell and I gave a yell and I'm realizing I'm going to be on a plane in two hours from now going down the floor. What are you angry about? What are you angry about? <laughs> How long are you in Florida, by the way? Uh, till Sunday. Man, I'm in Disney. But anyway. All right. So talk to me, Wes. People who, people who are starting a business. And by the way, I can talk to you for hours. People who are starting a business. What, what do they need to do to, get, to, to start seeing some success? <clears throat> well, the first thing to anybody starting a business, I would say check your motives. Have an honest conversation with yourself as to why you are about to do this. Because if the, And if the answer is money, that's fine. But what are you going to do when there's no money? Or when it's not flowing right away, are you going to quit because your motive was money? So I would say, you know, check your motives. And then number two, um, you know, and I love that that Paul explains this. You know, you, 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 can, you can do it the hard way and take 10 years to figure it out. Or you could find somebody else that's already done it. And you could mentor through them. And you can cut that time down to like a quarter of it. So find somebody that's already done what you want to do and pick their brain, model what they do. Success leaves clues. Yeah. Don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. Exactly. How much, how much have you personally invested in mentors? 
got to be 60,000 over, you know, over the course of four years in self-development and programs and things of that nature. Yeah, absolutely. Did you take your money back? 10 times. Does it feel like like you were spending money? In the beginning, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm, you know, going to spend this money. But, you know, in hindsight, uh, it it has always come back uh, 10 times over. And therefore it's just a part of my budget now. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, yeah, it's budgeted out. It's, it's accounted for it's good. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, so personal development is, is, is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is, this is what's incredible is the both of us have now created a life for ourselves Mm -hmm. where today is Thursday, April or March 31st. Mm-hmm. At 9 a.m., we got on this podcast. Yeah. I don't have to worry about a freaking boss wondering where I'm at. I don't have to worry <laughs> about working to make money this week or next week. Like, yeah. But but it took a lot of work to get to this point. Mm-hmm. It took a lot of yes. work to get to this point and not worry about stupid shit that most people worry about. But most people want the results. They want to not have to go to work. They want to be able to do what they want, when they want, how they want. But they're not willing to take the steps to do it. And I feel like you had an advantage coming from just complete shit to where your ships were burned. You grew up. There were no ships. What was Mm -hmm. your freaking plan? What was the plan B? Moms got arrested. No dad. Drugs. Prostitution. What what ship were you going to get on? Don't die. That was the plan. Just don't die. That's plan. plan that's plan A. When your plan yes. A is don't die. What the hell is plan B? Don't die. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's no excuse. You know, if you want something bad enough, you know, you will figure it out or you'll make an excuse. Or you'll figure out how to get in touch with people who will help you figure it out. You just got to show up with the right mm-hmm. attitude and work your ass off for the last 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Um, final, final, um, you know, going back to, it's not the results that are important, it's the person that you become. My mom uh, walked in on me about to stick a needle on my arm. She watched me ride a bike eight and a half miles a day to get to the business. She watched me put in 12 hour days uh, six days a week consistently for four, four to five years. One night, uh, we're power struggling because I'm trying to take control and lead us this way. She wants to stay in her comfort zone and, and go over here. And, you know, I don't want to build and, and grow. And I'm, I'm like, you know, come on, lady, let's go. So it's nine o'clock at night. We're both tired. We've worked all day. Um, you know, she's locking the front door. I'm getting into my Uber. It's nine o'clock at night. I look at the front of the building. I just did a facade improvement program. Um, it's new signage, new lighting, new paint. It's beautiful. The front of the building looks gorgeous. And, you know, all day long, we've been butting heads and she's locking up the door. I'm getting into my Uber and I look at the building and I scream at her and I said, Hey lady, nice fucking building. And she stops 
and she looks up at the building and she looks at me and she said, my son did that. Man, that's pretty, how'd that feel? And I realized that what we do is never really for us. It's always to reach back and help someone else. God didn't pick me up out of the gutter in North Philadelphia and dust me off so that I could do all these wonderful things for me. He did it so that I could help millions of people. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. Man, that was beautiful, Wes. That was beautiful. Risa, I'm, I'm reading this book right now. It's called The Book of Joy. It's by Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. <clears throat> and I did, I'm reading it because I really want to understand how do, you, how do you just stay in a state of joy? Because scientifically, it's been proven you can't be in a state of joy and a state of fear at the same time. You can't be angry and joyful at the same time. So I'm like, okay, these are emotions I don't want to feel anymore. And they just kind of know how to creep in all the time. But what if I learn how to just put myself in a state of joy, then they can't creep in. That's kind of my thought process. And in it, the Dalai Lama says, everything in this world was designed to serve something else or someone else. Everything. Like the chair is designed to serve us. Trees are designed for food, for oxygen. Like everything is designed for something else, to serve someone else. Right. Us too, isn't it? <laughs> that applies to people too. It does. And, and, and all the, 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 the original root source of all human suffering. And when I say human suffering, anger, you know, fear, jealousy, envy, all of it is me thinking about me. This morning when I woke up angry, it was me thinking about me. And, and that is the root cause of being pissed off, frustrated, angry, all those negative emotions, it's me thinking about me. So when I flip that and change the focus of my energy onto someone else and helping someone else, now I'm no longer thinking about, I, I thought about this podcast and I was super excited to jump on here and talk to my friend, Eric, right? Man, you over delivered, man. This is so great. So on top of the business, like you had the, the uh, direct marketing business, you guys got the massage going, the massage where you guys are rocking the world right now. Yeah. Um, you're also an inspirational speaker. Yes. And you're also teaching people how to speak in public. Yes. Yep. Really quickly. What does that take? You know, it, 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 and it's so funny because I'm developing my teaching, uh, my teaching points for, for this call. And I'm so excited because, uh, you know, the main fear of most people is public speaking. It's, it's, it's a huge fear. And the reason why is because we're focusing on ourselves. It's me thinking about me. When, but when you think I, I have something to serve, I have something to deliver to these people that can break down the barriers that are holding them back from their dream life. When you think come from that mindset, man, I'm excited to get on there. Right. And, and, and just, you know, developing your story. I think it's so important that to develop your story in a, in a way that impacts people and, and punches them right in the throat and makes them think about their own life and how they can apply it 
into their own life so that they can create their dream life. Um, you know, communication, if you look at a, many, many successful people over the history of time, they were all great communicators. And, and communication is, is, is influence and influence is leadership. No more, no less. So yeah, I, uh, I, I love being on that stage. I love impacting people. You know, when you give someone a really great massage or they come in with pain, they leave and they say, wow, I feel so good. You changed the way that I feel in my body temple. What I want is you changed my life. You changed my life. So yeah, I'm excited about it, man. Um, it's so good to meet you too. Um, I've been trying to go through and connect with, with all the mentors and, and it's just a, a panel of really great people, really, really good people. I see why Paul picked, you know, this group. So it's, it's good stuff, man. I'm honored to be a part of it, man. Paul's been kind of like, you know, I've held Paul in the highest esteems. I've followed him since probably 2014. No, mm. There's absolutely no wonder I started my business in 2015, got that confidence <laughs> and just, it's been, it's been a great ride. Um, Wes, thanks for being here, man. How do people get in touch with you? How do they find you? Yeah. Uh, you can find me on social media on, I'm big on the Facebook platform, uh, Wesley Morris, or go to wesleymorris.com and check out the website. You know, there's a, a way you can jump on my schedule or message me on there. Yeah. You're Love your story. You're going to impact so many lives. You're, you're already impacting a ton of lives. And I can't wait to learn about public speaking from you. So I'm definitely jumping on your calls, man. Ah, Likewise, man. You're a good dude, Eric. Keep doing what you're doing. I love the family. I love watching you grow and evolve, man. Thanks a lot for having good, me. Brother. I'll see you soon. All right, bro. You've listened to another episode of Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. And if you're not a part of our tribe on Facebook, be sure to head over to Facebook and join Lead, Sell, Grow, the Human Experience Tribe. I look forward to speaking with you in the tribe. Have a great day.